Come on, move, move. Ah, oh, son of a bail. I can't believe this. All these people thinking they own the place. Uh, come, come on, dude, turn, turn. They're not gonna hit you. You'll be okay. Doubting Thomas didn't think he could make it. Ridiculous. I just, nah. What, what is this? What is it? Oh, fiddlesticks. I forgot it at home. I gotta go. I gotta go. This is ridiculous. I can't believe these people. Drive it around. It's your world. I'm just living in it. What am I doing? Come on. Kelly. You Southern Baptist. Not even independent or fundamental. Unbelievable. You know, hey, hey, Dwight. You ignorant whore of Babylon. Get over here. I ain't finished with you yet. Hi guys, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will and you guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber to try to bring some biblical truth to some situations and things that most people don't want to talk about for fear of division. And the whole thing here is biblical education. We do a lot of various doctrinal things, which reminds me this Saturday, I have a friend of mine who's going to be recording a Calvinist video. He is a Calvinist, five-point tulip guy. And I wanted, and you guys know, or our Unity Through Diversity series, that's what we do. We we have somebody who, who subscribes to a certain theology or doctrine, and we have them teach it here and it helps people to understand from the people who actually believe it and allows you guys to discern a little bit on do you agree, do you not agree, or at least food for thought if nothing else. Now, you guys, if you guys haven't already, and we have thousands of audio listeners, so please go to our YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button. And it, you know, even if you don't watch us on, on audio, video, that's the word, if you guys don't watch us on video, that's okay. Just subscribe, let YouTube know that, you, that this content's interesting. And just so you know, we are start. We are getting close to a thousand subscribers, and when we get to a thousand subscribers, Brian and I were going to issue out our personal stories and letting you know a little bit more about us. So that way, you guys know the people behind the church split a little bit more than you may have before. So uh, just a little thing we wanted to do, just so you, that way you guys get to know us. Because even though we are about theology and the church and all these different things, we also want you guys to know who we are. And I think it helps helps people kind of make a connection. That way, you're not just listening to some random dude on the internet and you have no clue anything about him. So uh, anyway, the other thing is, is a few cool things we got going on. We have Dr. Paul uh, Paul Copen coming on, who is the author of His God a Moral Monster. I've recommended that book a few times. So we have him coming on in the next few weeks. We also next week have Dr. Tim Stratton coming on, who is, uh, we're going to be talking about his Mere Molinism book. That's going to be exciting. So we got some of those things going on. And Dr. James White did agree to come on, and we haven't heard back, but uh, maybe stay tuned for that. We'll see. But, uh, you know, today we're going to be talking about that dicey topic. Is swearing a sin? Now this, a little background on this for me, uh, this, is a, this is a touchy subject for a lot of people, okay? Um, some people don't want their speech infringed upon, and other people, they just think that anyone who uses swear words is definitely sinning. And I just wanted to take time to look at this biblically, culturally, and historically, okay? So that's kind of the goal here. But the background on this is I was raised in a blue-collar home, and which means I knew all these words by the time I was four. I knew all the, well, most of the culture words. Some, some words I learned in high school that I was like, whoa, that's a new one. What does that mean? Oh, ew, gross. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so the thing is, is that uh, 
when it comes to these things, uh, it's important that we we kind of peel back some layers and we actually look at it a little bit with scrutiny. But growing up, I was raised blue collar. My first jobs were blue collar, and I heard all these words. And for me, it was just like it was everyday life. So I mean, I didn't care. It was kind of. I was kind of numb to it, you could say. And then I go to Christian schools and stuff, and man, people were losing their minds that they even heard somebody say crap. So I'd be like, oh, crap. And then suddenly be like, oh, you said it. And like, even if someone used euphemism like, gosh dang, or whatever, people would just lose their mind. And it was really funny. And for me, it was just so weird because I came from such a different background. And then I came here and I felt very out of place in some of these areas. Because again, my background compared to their background. And then these two backgrounds are meeting and I didn't know how to marry the two backgrounds. And so what I really want to do is I want to take time to just look at this biblically and look at this with some scrutiny. And so please guys, have an open mind. This might be the one I get the most hateful emails. And if you send me hateful emails, you better Christian swear, only include Christian swearing. Otherwise I'll ignore it. Just kidding. Um, but you know, is swearing a sin? All right, well, first and foremost, the Bible definitely warns us about the dangers of the tongue, okay? The dangers of the tongue. We are warned about the dangers of the tongue. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And maybe some of you should listen to that a little bit. Learn to control your mouth. Uh, for me, my mouth, especially when I was younger, got ahead of me before my brain did, you know? It just, I uh, had zero filter, just kind of came out and uh, caused me a lot of grief. And now over time, I've learned to control myself at least some degree, yes, imagine this. On this channel, what you're seeing is someone who is more controlled than they used to be. Stuff that in your pipe and smoke it, okay? Yeah, I used to be much less controlled than what I am now. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 is one of the ones that brought, are brought up the most when it comes to swearing. It is, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. I think this is one of the most important verses when we're talking about this, because it shows a couple aspects that people tend to overlook, and then also shows a few things that there is an expectation with our mouths. So notice how corrupt communication is contrasted with building up. So whatever this corrupt talk is, we know corrupt communication as it puts in uh, the King James corrupting talk here, Notice how it is contrasted with building up. So if you're corrupting, that what does that mean? If it's a corrupt talk, if it's corrupt speak, it means you're tearing down. That's extremely important. That was kind of the whole point of the joke of the skit at the very beginning of this video. That, and then he says, why? As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So notice that as well, as fits the occasion. Now, once in a while, Christians get this really messed up and they go, well, as fits the occasion, um, you know, they think that if we don't adjust our speech, some people will say this like, oh, well, you know, you should talk the same way to them as you talk to anybody else. Well, let me tell you something. I talk a certain way to my wife because she's my wife. And certain people aren't going to want me to talk to them the way I talk to my wife, if you know what I mean. So, but the thing is, we adjust course, right? You shouldn't talk to your best friend the same way you talk to your boss. Those are going to be different. You need to adjust to fit the occasion. And I think that's important when we're talking about this. So first off, corrupting talk deals with tearing down, not building up. And also there's uh, this idea of something that fits the occasion. So it must be fit contextually. But then we have one of the most popular chapters about this is James chapter three, and it is all about the dangers of the tongue. It mentions, you know, like, hey, how dangerous the tongue is, who can tame it. It's like a little rudder that steers the whole ship. And it's because, as Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that, that uh, reveals his heart and corruption, it's what comes out of the man. So it's what he does and what he speaks. So that's important as well. But, and a big but here, 
is that when we see the word, and when we think of swearing, I should say, when we think of swearing, it never mentions certain words in the Bible. So if you really peruse your Bible, you'll find that it really doesn't mention certain words that are off limits. And it tells us in the Bible not to curse. But the thing is, when we think cursing, we think of our cuss words, because we use that as cursing words. Oh, so-and-so, they curse so-and-so. Or, oh, they're using curse words. Here's the thing, though. There's nothing in the Bible that even indicates this idea of a curse word. Because a curse was something you did as, as in an action towards somebody, with intent towards somebody, as opposed to a specific kind of word you said. So let me explain this. Um, in James 3.10, it says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to, to be so. Now, this is extremely important because it tells us blessing and cursing. Well, people will use this verse and they'll see, see uh, blessings, uh, people will speaking good blessings and wonderful things, and then it cursing, you know, people shouldn't be cussing. That's not what this word means. It's not using, it's not talking about cuss words. Um, he says it, it's the word katara or katara, um, meaning to speak doom on somebody, like invoking a curse on them, speaking doom, condemning them with your words. It's the same word that's used in Galatians 3.10 that says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. And of course, he's saying that those who are depending on works-based salvation, depending only on the law, then they're not going to get saved. Uh, that's not, that you can't work your way to heaven. So he's saying that they're cursed, okay? He's saying that they are cursed, that they are doomed, okay? So when you are cursing somebody, it says blessings are cursing. So it's people who are condemning uh, with uttermost hatred toward people. In fact, uh, if you ever go on Twitter, you'll notice some of the people that come after uh, the RFP, uh, you know, the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, uh, you come after us, and or even in other areas, you'll notice the fact that sometimes cursing comes out, and it's not using curse words, it's with an intent of full-on condemnation. And we're not talking about a rebuking of false teachings, we're not talking about, you know, speaking truth, we're just talking about somebody who just is being hateful and spiteful, right? And you've experienced this. You've, you've experienced what it's like to be on the bad side of someone's cursing. Now, that cursing could be somebody using uh, swear words that you would know. Or it could be someone who doesn't use swear words, but they just attack you and curse you with intent and mean words and, dis and spiteful responses. Now, this is why is I find this topic to be super important, why I decided to talk about this, even though it's taboo. So, the problem is Christians do this all the time, where they will say some of the meanest, most spiteful things. Uh, they will put people down harshly. And then they'll be like, well, I didn't say anything wrong. Okay, I was just speaking truth. And, and they think because they didn't use a curse word or because they didn't lie, that suddenly they're okay. That's not how the Bible works, and that's not what the Bible teaches us about the tongue. In fact, quite the opposite. It's actually very much the opposite. So if you ever peruse your Bible and look at all the parts that mention the sins of the tongue, notice the sins mentioned every time it talks about the sins of the lips are dealing with not this idea of swear words. Ephesians 4.31 for example, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, among, along with all malice. 1 Peter 2.1, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. 
Proverbs 10:18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Whoever utters slander is a fool. Notice the words that notice the words that it uses to describe the sins of the tongue. It talks about slander, gossip, lying, and clamor. What is clamor? Clamor is outcry, angry screaming, um, just at basically being belligerent towards somebody with your words. So it, it kind of blows my mind when you really think about it, because people seem to not realize that this. These sins, there's a reason why the Bible talks about these and not curse words, okay? Gossip, slander, and lying and clamor are extremely destructive. As someone who grew up in a home that was filled with these things, it was excruciatingly destructive. Also, I've been a pastor of a church where gossip and slander took off. That's why we started the church split. We had two church splits in like three years because gossip and slander, it was one little thing that erupted and became something that it wasn't entirely. And it was so-and-so calling so-and-so. And here's the thing. The Bible is, is saying, and we'll talk about this here in a minute, that there's a law that even if it was true, you shouldn't be spreading it. And there's a reason, there's plenty of reasons for that. But the point is that it's all, all gossip and slander needs to be put away. And that is so destructive. Church splits happen because people gossip, they slander, they lie, and they're clamorous toward one another. And that's how families fall apart too. That's how relationships fall apart is through these sins of the tongue. And these sins are taken extremely seriously by God and by Jesus Christ himself and by Judaism that the whole book is, that basically the book is Jewish, right? Like that's the whole thing. We believe in a Jewish Messiah and that we are grafted in. So this whole thing was, this is very serious. Gossip, slander, lying, and clamor is not something to take lightly. These are the true sins of the mouth. Uh, so let's talk about Paul's mouth for a second. But before we do that, I want to show you a clip of a very famous pastor. You guys probably know him, uh, Apologia Church. This is Pastor Jeff Durbin. Thus, you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your woke bullshit. I could do this, by the way, more Pauline, if you like. You invalidate it for the sake of your scubula. Woo! Yeah, that was intense, wasn't it? He just he, he just said it. He just he calls it right out, and he uses a word that we censored out. And there's a reason for that re, that we censored it out, and I'll explain why later. But notice that you many many this made plenty of news in Christian media. So many of you guys have probably seen that. But his point was, and you know he did that on purpose, he threw that out there on purpose because he wanted to see if people were going to be outraged by the language versus the very thing that was infecting churches. So that was the thing. It was like, and people fell for it. They were so outraged by him using the word that they completely missed the point of the message, which is these are actual sin and biblical issues, Marxism, things like that. Uh, critical race theory, things that fly in the face of the gospel are seeping into churches. Nobody, nobody is rebuking anybody barely over it. People are just like, oh, we're just got to love each other, be united. And then over here, he uses a one little word and people lose their minds. So it's really funny. But let's talk about Paul's mouth. He, re he references scubula in that video. Um, and that is the Greek word for okay? Which is, uh, so for those of you who can't figure out what that word was when we censored it. It's the word that means excrement, dung, or poop, or even crap. But for whatever reason, we have labeled that is the bad one. In Paul's day, scubula was used in conversation about as much as our word for was. Okay? So, and it was considered, and now some people say that it wasn't 
as offensive as our word uh, culturally, but it was pretty high up there. So when Paul uses this, when he says, my righteousness and all of these things I've done, I count as dung, it's not dung in the Greek. He's using a very harsh word to get his point across. And then the idea of filthy rags in the Bible, like your righteousness is as filthy rags. Those are word, Those are either um, sometimes used for cleaning, but they are also the, the same word that's used for leper rags, so people with that were disease, and also menstruation rags. Basically saying that your, uh, <laughs> that your righteousness is as a dirty tampon or a dirty pad. Now, I know that's pretty gross for some of you who are listening. I apologize, but we are talking about language here. And so some of you guys might find that gross. Honestly, it is a bodily function. If you're offended by a bodily function, I can't help you because... They happen. Bodily functions are regular. That's fine. Also, we have a certain uh, instance in the Bible with Rehoboam in 1 Kings 12.10. It says, And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My finger is thicker than my father's thighs. Isn't that a weird, way, weird thing to say? My finger is thicker than my father's thighs. But here's the thing. Uh, our translators, uh, even with like the idea of uh, I, count all, I count it all but dung and all this, I actually think this has hurt the Christianity more than helped the fact that they've kind of filtered this language. Um, but So they use thighs here. Uh, your translation might say loins. Uh, so there's a lot of different, or uh, waist, like his waist. Your th finger is thicker than that. But Baker's Bible Dictionary and other scholars have agreed that that's not what it's referring to. This idea of thigh, waist, or loins is very unlikely, and it's actually probably referring to his father's genitalia. So his finger is thicker than his father's. Yeah. The Bible is so nice sometimes, isn't it? Okay, um, I mean, go to Song of Solomon sometime at chapter 2, verse 3, and read that and just, just, just read it, okay? All right, the, the Bible, here's the thing. The Bible is not... G rated. It's not even PG, okay? There's like R rated stuff in the Bible, and people seem to forget that. You know, there's, we're, we live in such a prudish culture, and we're so scared of using offensive language or things that could be considered bad when it, the Bible is actually filled with it. And, if, um, and you could say descriptive versus prescriptive, but the thing is, these are people who actually say, like Paul uses this, this, some of this language. Uh, various other people in the Bible use intense language. I mean, the Song of Solomon literally talks about breasts for a while, and it's not to be vulgar. It's the fact that we as a culture and in Western society has labeled this as vulgar and prudish when really God never has. You know, a lot of these things were bodily functions. Like that's why there's whole chapters laid out in Leviticus and whatnot of just saying, hey, if this bodily function happens, you need to do this. If this bodily function happens, you need to do that. That I mean, it wasn't shy about it at all. In fact, they talked about circumcision like it was nothing. It was literally circumcision. Remove the foreskin. And we even remember Moses had a foreskin thrown at him. Goodness. <laughs> The Bible's a trip sometimes, guys. I tell you what. Uh, the Bible's way more fun than people give it any credit for, like if you really think about it. But anyway, so it's strange, isn't it, though, that Jews, even a Pharisee, I mean, Paul was a Pharisee, let that sink in, would be comfortable using such language, right? Like, isn't that weird that they would use such language? Well, no. It's actually wrong, very wrong. So, um, they had some basic rules. So as a Pharisee, as a Jew, he had some basic rules. And uh, the Jews have had these rules for a long time. And these are the same rules we see echoed throughout Old and New Testaments. And it's funny that we miss it and we, we end up reading with Western eyes over it. So they had three basic rules. One, 
treat the sacred name as sacred. In other words, don't be running around saying God's name in vain. Now, I already have See the Lord's Name in Vain video and episode. That might be very helpful for you because it's more than just speaking it. There's actually a very strong spiritual application there. Um, go and check that out. It's not even long. It's like 14-minute episode. But uh, then also it says do not lie, right? We aren't to lie. We are to be honest individuals. And then the Lashon Hara. The Lashon Hara is a Jewish law that says every kind of, uh, every kind of trafficking in evil report or rumors. So whether or not it's true, so like gossip or slander, even if it's true, by carrying them from one person to the other is relating an unpleasant or, or harmful facts about another is actually completely forbidden. It's actually uh, it's a Talmudic law, which is some of the strictest parts of Judaism. And some and it's funny because a, a friend of mine who, who's got uh, whose friend is. Uh, about ready to go uh, become, I think, a rabbi in, in it. I could be wrong on that, but he's from, he's Talmudic, and they're, they're the strictest form of Judaism. He apparently has a complete potty mouth, but he holds to, to the Shan Hara very strictly. And we, and I'm saying potty mouth culturally, because that gets into where we're going here. So, Lashan Hara was considered extremely evil and is taught strictly against in the Torah in even the New Testament. That's the whole thing of like, let no corrupt talking come out of your mouth. Do not curse one another. No slander, no gossip, no clamoring. That's what this is referring to. It's referring to this idea of tearing down someone's reputation, saying some information so you can hurt someone's perception of them and tear them down. And that's a real, real problem. And that's why on this channel, we don't like to do ad hominem. We don't like to attack people's character. We like to just attack their ideology because otherwise we could be tearing somebody down that we don't want to tear down. We just want to tear down wrong, wrong think, wrong thoughts, bad biblical teachings. So here's the thing. This is where it kind of comes down. Rubber meets road on this. Okay. This is where rubber meets road. And I need you guys to try to have an open mind here. All right. All of you guys who hate me uh, for saying all this, but um, language is cultural. Language and behavior and what is offensive is cultural. For example, if you go to the West Coast, you know, you even using somebody's or some other woke area, you using the he or she pronoun as someone who looks he or she, like a male or female, uh, when they want to be they, them, z, zer, whatever, ABC, YOU, anything you can get at the hardware store, would you consider it offensive? And, you know, saying, uh, or even let's use, since I think most of my viewers are pretty conservative, if you use a, a male pronoun on, like a, a, on someone who's trans, who is female, or anything like that, that's considered offensive speech. Or sometimes even speaking about your race could be, uh, or ethnicity really is what it is, uh, could be considered offensive speech. Just, and here's what's funny, is I work in the inner city, I've mentioned that a few times, and what's funny is that they use certain words that they don't even, that uh, me from suburban white America would be, would consider offensive, right? Like they will use hell or, you know, damn, and they use it so flippantly. And I'm talking like people who are pretty Christian people, they just, they don't even, they don't even consider it. Or they use like the N, you know, the N word with an uh at the end instead of a hard R, and they consider that to be normal. That's what they use for their word bro. But in suburban white America, you even get close to that N-word and you're going to get beaten. And that's just the way it works. Um, so, and that's okay. There's, that's the way culture is. That's how language works. In fact, there's certain words here that you can take to Europe and depending on what part of Europe is considered more offensive or less offensive or not offensive at all. 
Just like the word, the term bloody over here, we would be like in America, like, oh yeah, you know, we, we watch a movie and somebody uses some language and we go, mm, whatever, that's just British speech. And my buddy, Andrew, who's been on the channel, he's from Ireland, there's one time we were watching Doctor Who and he said something and Andrew goes, whoa, I'm surprised that was on a kid's show. And I was like, what? what, what what's the problem with that? Then he explained to me what that means over there. So the point is, is that culture dictates offensive meaning. And remember, as Paul said, that which is appropriate for building up that fits the occasion. And our culture has, it's like, man, some of these things, you're going to hurt yourself more than help yourself if you say it. But sometimes um, the occasion might be called for where it's not even considered bad and whatever. So you can adjust course there. But guys, inner cities, suburban, whites, uh, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, uh, Japan to China to, depending on the culture, where you're at north, south, west, east of America, let alone Australia or any other place, they all have their own terminology that's considered offensive. And they all find it funny that we have certain words that are considered offensive. Like, what? why is that bad? But then you say theirs and like, oh, that's terrible. And that's the thing. That's why the Bible actually doesn't talk about this, because actually back then, the idea of swear words is actually new. It's not an ancient view uh, in many ways. So uh, there's not actually that many things that are considered uh, highly offensive the further you go back, especially with Israel. Israel was actually very open about certain topics and certain body parts and things like that, and no one really had a problem with it. In fact, Judaism uh, very much doesn't have a problem with a lot of that stuff. So um, I haven't used the words here personally in this episode. I, uh, you know, when, when we had them on, we censored on purpose, and that was to not cause any kind of unnecessary offense, because I don't want to use such language in, in, to get in the way of the message, okay? And that's how we, uh, I operate with this rule in our culture, is the fact that, yes, certain cultures and certain people don't find offense to it, but certain people do. Most likely, you're going to deal with like, more conservative Christian types are going to find that language more offensive, but when you're dealing with like inner city, or you're dealing with blue collar, or you're dealing with like average Joe types, they're going to find certain words less offensive than others and probably not really care. And it's, you know, when people start, like, well, what about all these other, other vulgar terms that are using with body parts and stuff? It's like, yeah, exactly. Which is why intent matters, right? If I'm just, if I'm saying it in a mean, cruel, derogatory way, then yes, I am falling under all of these evils that the Bible has told me not to do. I'm not supposed to curse people. I'm not supposed to give slander. I'm not supposed to be insulting or clamorous. That's the idea here. So Christians often say, don't, you know, don't use that language around me. Well, guys, it's actually a cultural norm is a cultural issue, not a biblical one. So when you're doing that, you're allow, you're putting like a cultural preference over on top of the biblical one. You shouldn't allow the cultural preferences to get in the way. And most time, most of the time, Christians are all about this, right? Like, oh yeah, we can't, we can't let the culture win when it comes to whatever, socialism, homosexuality, abortion. And you know what? There's a lot of moral things that are true there, but we, then we get all weird when it comes to language. I find that to be really, really interesting. That's like these things that we actually have real biblical issues with, we should speak against. Meanwhile, over here, the things that we that have no biblical backing, we stick with culturally, I don't understand. It's either we're supposed to be counterculture or we're not supposed to be counterculture. I don't understand. So I haven't used the words here personally because I don't want these word, the, the words to get in the way of the message of the church split. I don't want you guys to walk away like, wow, that just, that was too much. I can't listen to that because culturally speaking, we have been, you know, 
we have been pushed that this is bad and that's wrong. That's, that's gets out, that gets it gets out of the way. You know, it gets out of control sometimes. We talk all the time about not letting the culture sway the truth. Meanwhile, we all lose our minds when Jeff Durbin calls it out. And that's my problem with this ideology. It's it, it, swear words is cultural, and. In order to prove that it's a moral issue, not a cultural issue, you have to first prove the fact that there is something in the Bible that's mentioning specific words or specific types of words that are always forbidden. Otherwise, outside of the Lord's name in vain, and that and that's not even talking about God, like his title, God. That's his title. We're talking about like the um, the necro, uh, the uh, tetragrammaton. We're talking about like the four letters, you know. Um, anyway. YHWH are short for Yahweh. We're not supposed to use that so flippantly. That's what I'm referring to. So anyway, you know, that might be one, but otherwise, you can't find that. So in order to prove that it's a immoral against God, you have to first prove that textually. Secondly, then you have to show how that word is, th is that way in all cultures. Because that's the thing. Murder doesn't suddenly become okay when you go half the world away. If I go to China, murder doesn't suddenly become okay. Right? Well, just like that offensive word, if I go to China, is suddenly considered non-offensive. Okay, well, if it's not offensive there, then it's not sinful morally. Now, you could say culturally it's, it's unwise and not very prudent. We could say that it can get in the way of our message. But I also know the fact that sometimes using that language to become all things to all people are, is helpful because they feel more relaxed with you. They don't feel like you're, you're all stuck up and prudish in your own little ways. So this, this is an example, like this, this real prudiness of, of certain language. And it's really funny because that idea changes. Like uh, I was reading a Bible college handbook recently and they were saying like no euphemisms either. And it's like, so you, some people say euphemisms okay, some people just don't. Some people say it's okay to say poop but not crap. And then some people say it's, you know, it just varies. It changes and shifts and it makes it impossible to keep track of. So this is an example of snowflake Christianity to me. Um, and I'm not trying to be offensive to you uh, when I say that, but snowflake Christians do exist. I'm not saying that you have to use these words. I'm not saying go out there and use these words, start cussing flippantly and not caring about the culture. In fact, uh, quite the opposite. We'll get to that application here in a minute. So, but to say that it's a moral issue or to be so easily offended as Christians by such language isn't helpful nor is it biblical. I think that's a big problem with, with Christians that, you know, it's like we get so offended by that kind of language that we avoid it entirely and then we can't stand people who use it and actually I think it's in the way of the gospel because uh, that's one of the things I heard all the time from people, well, I can't hang out with those people. They just cuss and swear and their mouths are terrible. It's like, yeah, okay, so maybe you should stop being so snowflakey and sensitive. You know, my word, think about what Jesus went through and you can't go through some, some guy, somebody saying culturally mean words. Good grief. Um, in fact, some of the best Christians I know <laughs> really don't care. Um, and they, like a friend of mine, he, he um, uh, some friends of mine, they, they, they are part of a motorcycle like Jesus group and very passionate very passionate Reformed Christians, good people. And they, you know, they're a bit more flippant. And what's funny is that it works in their little setting and it helps people come to the gospel because they feel like this person connects to them on their own culture, on their own level. And it's hard for us to kind of wrap our brains around that, I think, in America sometimes, because America is the melting pot. We have so many cultures operating at once, so many different people groups, all with their own lang language and lingo and idiosyncrasies, and that those things we all have to be mindful of. You know, um, what my mind goes to uh, someone like Hudson Taylor in, in China, that he went there, he grew out his hair, he completely became a European 
European China man, okay? He adapted everything from the Chinese culture and it helped him make an impact on the Chinese. But his European friends and everything thought he was insane and they actually kind of condemned him for it. And this goes into uh, something we're gonna talk about here in a minute. So to say it's a moral issue or to be so easily offended isn't helpful. That's my point. So how should a Christian go about it? So how should a Christian operate when it comes to this topic? I think, and I think that's a very fair question. So the same they would, uh, and really the same that you would go about it if you were in Japan or China, Europe, India, wherever, you should operate with this moral the same way you would operate there. You know, certain places is, offen is offensive to show the bottom of your bare foot, okay? Certain places is offended if you don't burp during the meal or you don't eat all the food in front of you. Same thing here. Operate the same way. You know, as I am not using words here that could needlessly offend you and put a roadblock in my conversation here, I'm trying to be all things to all people in this conversation, so should you. So in other words, be mindful of your audience. Be mindful of your audience. And you know, with something like Jeff Durbin, you know, uh, some people have pointed out, they're like, yeah, but he wasn't mindful of his audience because he used it in front of this broad group of people online where anyone could watch it. He was not being mindful of his audience. And you know, I think there could be a conversation for that, but at the same time, I think that was the point. Uh, that his whole point was you get, you're getting offended over a cultural bad, culturally bad word when Paul used a culturally negative, uh, negative word. Meanwhile, you're ignoring the intensity of the, of the actual biblical sins entering the church. So that was kind of the point of his message. And I think, you know, again, there's a tasteful way to do it. There's a proper way to do it. There's a proper way to bring that under the microscope. And I thought Jeff Durbin actually did a pretty good job. I know that puts me in the minority. You all can hate me and send me hateful emails or hit the dislike button. Like you can dislike this video and, or episode into oblivion. All my audio listeners go leave me a one-star review. It's fine. I'm I, I'll only slightly offended. Um, so, but that's my offense, right? Uh, offense is oftentimes in the eyes of the beholder. But anyway, so in Corinthians uh, ver uh, chapter 9, verses 23 to 23, I think Paul puts this very well. And you know, if you read all the way back uh, into that chapter, he explains this in more detail. But anyway, uh, 20, uh, verse 22. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share that with them in its blessings. And I know it's weird to use this very serious verse in such a weird topic, but think about this. Adjust course. Adjust course. Be willing to adjust course to become all things to all people to get the gospel. If that means you have to go to the inner city and speak like the inner city, then do it for the sake of the gospel. If you have to go to suburban, conservative, white America, do I live in I live in one of the most conservative parts of the state, if not the most conservative part of the state ever. And everyone here, so I adjust course in more ways than one in some of my conversations just to adhere to that. But then, you know, when I'm in college town, I can talk with a little bit more um, looseness and not even like crazy looseness. Just I can adjust course a little bit and use certain terminology that I wouldn't use here because people wouldn't even know what I'm talking about here if I use certain terminology. So uh, the whole point is become all things to all people. If you are allowing yourself to allow culturally bad words to get in the way of your witness, to get in the way of you've been able to fellowship with somebody, maybe just maybe you're being too sensitive and you're allowing the culture to take precedence over scripture because the scripture speaks about lying, gossip, and slander. 
It doesn't talk about cuss words. And I, that's, that's the thing is I know this is hard for us to understand, but this blew my mind when I really studied it. It's like, you know, and then it started making sense. You know, why is it that we have all these words for poop, but the SH word is the bad one? Well, that doesn't really make sense. That seems like who chose that one was the bad one one day? Well, it's cultural, right? We can say uh, sex, screw, but if you use the F word, it's, that's the off-limit one. And, you know, we could say someone's condemned, but if we use, you know, the D word, that's the bad one. I think you guys get my point. You know, we can even say genitalia, but if you use, like, the harsh words for genitalia, it's suddenly bad. And I just find that to be, to be the thing that exposes this issue right here. So, guys, um, and again, I'm dealing with sensitive sensitive topics here, culturally speaking. So I'm trying to be, a, I'm trying to tiptoe. And if anyone knows my personality, I do not do well tiptoeing on thin ice. So um, sorry if I crossed the boundary for some of you. Actually, I'm really not. I'm really not sorry. Maybe, you know, we should listen and it is what it is, guys. It is what it is. And I'm not trying to be vulgar, but I think we do need a kind of a, a reawakening a little bit in this area as Christians because, man, sometimes we let this get in the way. I have seen Christians behave miserably because of this. But I've also heard Christians use cuss words in a belligerent, derogatory way. And that's the thing. I think that's why so many of us label it as negative because so often that's what it's used for. So often it's used when people are angry and lashing out at somebody and condemning them and cursing them and gossip, being slanderous toward them. So I think that's why it's like that became like the label. People use these words for that. And then therefore it's always labeled bad. But context matters. And I say that all the time when it comes to the Bible. Just like if somebody walked in, think about it. We've all had that conversation where we're in the middle of a conversation and somebody walked in at that really really wrong time that they walk, could walk in. Like it was the worst time they could walk into that conversation. And then, or maybe you've walked, you were the one who walked in and we've all experienced it where we just stand there awkwardly like, okay, that was, that sounded really bad out of context. And it's always this funny, awkward moment. Why is that? Well, because context matters with our language. And I think we miss that from time to time. And I think we sometimes put the chariot before the horse here. We put the culture before the Bible and we allow ourselves to get easily offended by certain things when we shouldn't. So the whole point about language in the Bible, how we should use our tongue is to not be slanderous, not to gossip, not to be destructive. And that means becoming all things to all people as well, which means that some of you might need to learn to button up and not be so flippant with your language because, oh my goodness, you know, somebody might get actually offended or you might, they might not, you might hurt your witness to somebody and you need to button up your language a little bit and, and contextualize with who you're around. But some of you are, are so prudy and so stuck up about language that's not even biblical that you won't even fellowship or witness to people who desperately need it because, oh my goodness, they use language I don't like. And that's, you know, snowflake Christianity at its best. And this is why I say all the time that the point of the church split is to unite the divided body and sometimes put the culture and the, and the taboo aside and just look at this biblically and then we can, ex we can execute it from there. Okay. So anyway, I hope this was helpful for you. And guys, real quick, uh, I haven't announced this enough uh, on the channel. I need to do it more. But guys, if you you have experienced a church split or know someone who's experienced a church split and you want to talk about it, please send us an email, contact us, go to our website, thechurchsplit.com, hit contact us and send us an email because guys, we will, we, the, even though we talk about all these different things, I would love to talk to people who experience church splits and we could talk about the dangers of it, the things that happened that caused it and how we can unite the body 
through our experiences of it. And just kind of, I think it'd be fun to relate with each other with that. So guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the church split. We got a lot of exciting things coming in uh, in 2021, lots of exciting things, uh, and it'll be a really good time. So anyhow, thanks for watching. Y'all take care.